HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Cane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.cane5.com. All right, it's another Thursday, 1 o'clock, and you are tuned into the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to The Farm Report, coming to you live from the back of Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Want to give a quick shout-out to my producer, Jack, for those fat beats on that last ad. You want to hear more of that, tune into his show Wednesday nights. But today, we are live in studio with David Sherman of Grow NYC. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Aaron. So, David, you are a market manager for Grow NYC, and then you also work with their youth education project? That's correct. Awesome. So, how did you get into that? I mean, you're a young guy, what, you graduated from college, and then you applied to green markets, or how did it, what was the transition like for you? Yeah, actually, I was, um, I was part of a Friends World program at Long Island University, and my uh, first day there, I met Scott Chasky from Quail Hill Farm. I think I was eating um, Lucky Charms when I met him. Awesome. Which I always remember fondly because he's really changed my diet more than anybody else. So you don't eat Lucky Charms anymore? I mean, it's okay if you do. I'm just asking. I don't really. Nah, not really anymore, no? to be honest. But okay. I, I, I would eat them if you had some right now. <laughs> I eat just the marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably what I would do as well. So you're hanging out. You're eating Lucky Charms. and so Yeah. He invites me to uh, come take a agriculture and ecology course over at Quail Hill Farm in Montauk, um, Long Island. Um, so yeah, I started going once a week. And he um, turned me on to the joys of farming, as well as the social, economic, political, environmental um, connection that um, agriculture, food um, has for our world. And I was just turned completely around. I was really interested in music and art. Um, and I just started, decided that 
you know, the sustainable ag movement was... Something you wanted to be a part of. Yeah, that I needed to be a part of because uh, it connected so many things for me. Okay, so when you, you know, you make that transition, I think as a lot of people do where they're going on one path and then they get introduced to an amazing product or an amazing person who really opens up the world of food and what that can mean for them. And often you find yourself with this question, I know I did, of like, all right, well, I want to work in food, but what exactly does that mean and what kind of jobs are out there? So you work as a market manager. Was that kind of the your first choice or how did you end up in that position? Yeah, I think I have a similar... Um I have a similar uh, a conflict as maybe uh, many folks, you know, here in Brooklyn and in cities who want to be connected with agriculture, don't have that background, and you know, need Chinese food at midnight sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so I um, I did try my hand at um, working at farms. I was in uh, uh, Costa Rica working on a farm uh, co-op with all women co-op um, just outside the capital. I uh, ended up living with a farmer uh, activist in India for a while. Completely lost it being in the, in the country for so long. All right. Not completely lost it. Sorry, that's dramatic. But <laughs> It felt dramatic. It was my life. Yes. And I was lonely <laughs> in the country, in India. I get it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stars, but it was very, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I realized that maybe rural life wasn't necessarily my calling. But, um, yeah, I, I ended up working um, at a Denver Urban, for Denver Urban Gardens in Denver. Uh, Delancey Farm. They have a three-acre farm on historic farmland. Uh, in Aurora, Colorado, and I was the assistant farm manager there for uh, almost three seasons. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that, really, that was really amazing, um, you know, putting my farm practices to work and learning so much about uh, what it takes to run even that size uh, farm. We had a CS, uh, CSA, as well as a lot of amazing community work that we uh, were involved with working with Somali Bantu refugees. Um, as well as WIC program and doing a lot, a lot of education stuff um, and getting, you know, kids involved and, and, you know, the greater community involved in this project. So then your transition to market manager must have been pretty natural in that you kind of already spoke the language of farming. You're also kind of experienced in community development and, and, and looking at communities and kind of figuring out from both ends, like how, how to meet needs on both sides. How did you end up with Grow NYC? Yeah, um, well, the story that's on my bio for Grow NYC is that I, was, I couldn't find a good bagel in, in Colorado. <laughs> um, Got which it. is sort of true. No, but, you know, I was, I'm not from Colorado. And um, so I came back out east. Um, and, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Grow NYC Green Market seemed like a really interesting opportunity because I am maybe more um, natural at speaking about um, sustainable ag and and farming practices and different, um, you know, need for food security and things. And I'm more, hopefully, not doing a very well job right now. But Oh, be, come on. <laughs> you're doing great. No, no. I'm just <laughs> no but being, you know, I have, a, I, I have a propensity more to, uh, you know, to get the greater community involved, I think, more than um, always having my hands dirty. Um, so it was a natural move for me. And, um, you know, as a market manager, I'm just happy to be someone there who can be a spokesperson and remind people every day, you know, that the food there buying and putting in their bodies has, you know, a greater effect than just uh, on their taste buds for the moment. Yeah, sure. And I know that that if you visit the website www.grownyc.org, every spring, more or less, you know, they are looking to hire market managers. So it is a seasonal position. But do you do you work with them just through the summer? Or are you working with them year round? Yeah, I've actually worked year round. I think this is my second winter working year round. Um, winter markets are uh, yeah, they're tough. They have a, they're another beast, you know. Um, right now, it's like too hot, and uh, but there's so much amazing produce. Everybody's out, um, 
is amazing. Uh, winter markets are a, a whole nother trip. A whole nother story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every, every spring, um, it's probably around um, April when people can start checking out if they're interested in becoming a market manager. So you took on that position. Let's kind of talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of what a market manager actually does. So you work at a couple of different markets. What are your markets? Yeah, currently I am at Union Square, Green Market. But um, I also want to say that I am also the market manager at the new Williamsburg Waterfront Green Market at the Smorgasburg at the Williamsburg Waterfront um, every Saturday. Every Saturday. So that market's on Saturday, and then the Union Square market happens Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, right? True. Okay, so you have a pretty full week. So let's let's just let's pick a Monday, right? Beginning of the week. What happened? Like you show up. What time? What are you doing? What walk us through your day a little bit? Yeah, Union Square is another beast from maybe a a, a neighborhood market, but you show up early. Um, you know the farmers. Um, How early is early? For me, at Union Square, actually, I get to show up at 7. That's late for the market, That's though. pretty late, yeah. Um, I want to say hi to, to Jamie. Thanks for coming earlier. <laughs> <laughs> he's your, he's your, your, your fellow market manager at Union Square? He is. What time does he show up? Uh, he probably shows up a good like quarter to, quarter to 6, maybe even 5.30. Okay. Um, he is helping um, to uh, delineate space uh, mm-hmm. measurements. Um, and, and again, space is dictated by working with the parks um, to make sure that we are keeping things you know, um, safe and efficient and making it a nice place to be. Um, so like within <clears throat> the boundaries, they say, okay, you're at this park, this public space, the market can go from like X point to Y point. And then it's your job to say, okay, farmer one, you get this spot. Farmer two, you get this spot. That's what you mean, right? Like yeah, delineating. definitely. Yeah, coordinating that, making sure... Um, yeah, everyone's getting the space they need. Um, every farmer, you know, depending on the size of their farm and time of the year and things, they have different space that they take up. So every week, you're sort of looking at what you got, what you have, and how you can fit it. And um, there's, and you know, again, there's always just certain factors like um, wheel, wheelchair access or um, entrances to parks or manhole covers that you always have to take into account as well. So I've definitely been at markets pretty early, and I feel like I've seen people kind of walking around with the little chalk roller. To mark out. So if you're if you're a farm and, and let's say, like what are the things that change them that sometimes you need a stall that's this big and then another time you need a stall that's you know twice that size? Like what? How are those decisions getting made or like what what's happening that makes them require more space? Yeah, um, look. Uh, hopefully it's the uh, bounty of spring and summertime in okay. fall. Um, so um, you know, for example, I can think of um, Wilco Orchards. Um, I had a farmer, Fred and Albert, and um, you know, they show up all winter long at the Brooklyn Borough Hall uh, Green Market, as well as the Fort Green Farmers Market, or Green Market. And they, uh, you know, during the winter, they might have about 20 feet tops. It's just apples. But as the spring comes along and they get rhubarb and berries and then later tomatoes, the span just keeps growing. The span keeps growing and Getting growing. bigger and yeah. bigger. Yeah. So you expand. So you're at the market. You kind of delineated space. All the farmers are there, unpacked. The markets go in. Then what are you doing? I mean, how much longer are you there during the day? What's your role look like? Well, my favorite part about uh, the whole role is actually um, doing event um, and promotion at the market. Uh, we always have uh, amazing um, cooking demos using the uh, seasonal produce, hopefully uh, opening people's eyes to ways of cooking, to the joys of cooking, and using new products they may have not seen before. So you're actually cooking right at the market. Yeah, uh, we, um, I'm proud to say that I have gotten many Brooklyn Knights uh, eating kale on a regular basis. Nice. One of the few things that I find you know, very 
valuable that I've done on this earth. <laughs> You're like creating a little Popeyes all throughout Brooklyn. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess mean, Popeye ain't spinach, but kale seems like a very powerful vegetable too. I think that's like the Popeye of the 21st century is going to be kale. You heard it here first on the Heritage Radio Network. Kale, vegetable of the next century. So you do you set up cooking demos. So that's like kind of that's happening during the market, but that also happens in your off time where you're kind of contacting people to come in or deciding which farmers to work with, and then you actually run the demo at the market? Yeah, random demos. So we do operations, which would be like setting up the market. We have a lot of uh, rules mm-hmm. for the farmers to follow, but most are for safety, um, for customer support, um, knowing what you're buying, um, as well as you know, farmer support, also meeting health codes and things is a very important uh, aspect of the job um which is you know is so necessary but then when we get to the promotions is where i'm really having a good time um and cooking demos we just had an amazing event at the uh, williamsburg waterfront green market uh hot bread kitchen um came and they did handmade uh tortillas oh i love their stuff they do that flatbread that like smem i know i I can i I always just say the flatbread please because i'm scared to pronounce it but they are at they're at Smorgas and they're also at Union Square on uh, Wednesdays, I think. Yeah, Wednesdays. Uh, there are a, a lot of great markets, and you can check that um, where they are on their website, um, which is hotbreadkitchen.org. Awesome. Um, yeah, they came. They brought a bicycle grinder, and uh, which they actually used to use to make these tortillas, and then um, which I got the pedal and we grind we uh, ground uh, maize from Cayuga Pure Organics Farm which is what they use in their product. And okay. yeah, again, just bringing people over, um, letting them know about a hopper kitchen. Um, and then, you know, uh, this week we'll be playing uh, Jeopardy, which is, you know, uh, Farmy, Farmy Jeopardy. We okay. call it Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just keeping it fun and lively and reminding people, you know, why we're there, that it's not just a, um, another stand or another uh, person trying to sell you something, but something really special and something where you're supporting uh, something greater. So kind of doing your part to tell the farmer's story. I mean, and I think that's the thing about farmer's markets that people often speak to. Um, I know we had Scott Stringer on the show a few weeks ago, kind of talking about in a community, like what the role of the market can be. It's a place that you can buy your food, but it's also a place for people to come and get educated, to commune with their neighbors, to kind of make some upstate downstate connections. And, you know, the, the Grow NYC staff really works to facilitate that by creating kind of these spaces within the market, whether it's the manager's tent or the demo tent where people can kind of go and ask questions and find out what's new and what's going on. And I know the the Williamsburg waterfront market is a little bit of a different model for you guys. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, we're actually partnering with the Brooklyn Fleet and they're running the Smorgasburg, which um, has um, a, a plethora of smorgasburg of uh, <laughs> hot prepared foods different stands coming in some you may know some that uh, you may not know and then within there we have and within that um really nice food market we have a green market um, we have right now five of our um, producers including the brooklyn grange rooftop farm from long Island city oh we are we are familiar with the brooklyn grange they've I been on so. the show many of times yeah we're at roberta so you know they're the same people's um are good people. Uh, Hot Bread Kitchen is there, a nonprofit bakery where you are supporting uh, their cause just by eating amazing bread products and bakery up in East Harlem. Um, Best Farm Kitchen is there, jams, chutneys, and jellies. And I think it's exciting to have her there because there's all these young, new, sort of independent food professionals at the Schmorgasburg. Um, and Beth's been doing it for almost, almost, I'm going to say 25 years. 
But yeah, yeah, so she's old school. She's like, jam ain't nothing new, sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and using local product and having sort of an independent business, which is really exciting to see all these people doing it at the Schmorgsburg. But it's nice to see her kind of... Uh, because I think she should get her due for being a pioneer in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Well, and again, it's like what we were talking about earlier is creating this space where people um, kind of across the spectrum can intermingle and learn from each other. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about some extreme weather stories from the farmer's market. I like to sit on my stoop. Feel the sun on my skin. I hope the day never ends. That's exactly how I feel about you. <laughs> And you are tuned into the Farm Report. We are in studio with David Sherman, market manager for Grow NYC, who also works with their youth education project. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about the new market over in Williamsburg that you've been working with. And uh, I, I want to kind of talk more generally about your, your role as a market manager. And what are some kind of, do you have any kind of funny stories for us or troubleshooting? I'm sure as you know, the year goes around that things come up. And I think our listeners would love to know kind of w- what are some of the problems or, or situations that you found yourself in and, and are going, I can't believe this is my job or I can't believe that happened or, oh, my gosh, like, what are we going to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing to, roll, uh, to come up to, your, to, to a market space at, you know, 536 in the morning and find um, that they're doing, you know, construction and you had no idea. Um, <laughs> and trying to work that out, and you have you have a fleet of uh, trucks coming in at any moment. Um, those things happen all the time. Um, other things like weather can be um, pretty intense. I was a snow blow. I, I was snow blowing uh, at Fort Greene this winter a lot. Really, I shoveled a lot this winter. Yeah. Yeah, Dag. Dag. I should be. I should be getting paid by the uh, city as well. I think. I'm, I'm <laughs> but of course, I'm happy to do it for uh, for the farmers market. And, yeah. Yeah, um, and the heat can be intense. I mean, we're just trying to keep things, um, keep people cool and keep our customers happy uh, in the heat. Um, man, I mean, at Union Square, it's mostly just dealing with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of people um, constantly. Uh, there's always, you know, somebody's going on about something. <laughs> yeah, everyone's always got a story to tell. I know I've definitely worked the, I think I did a, I did a cooking demo there a few a few months ago and I think there's always somebody coming by telling you a story. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of characters. That's cool. That's cool. So what about what um can you tell us a little bit more about the youth education project and so what your role is with that and kind of how that fits into the Grow NYC kind of collection of activities. Yeah, it's definitely um part of Green Market and we um you know we um have school groups coming into the market um at least at least almost three days a week. I uh, almost 
almost year round we're trying um and coming in to the market learning about what a farmer's market is why this food is is special what's important about it um learning about concepts like food mileage uh learning about things like where is that tomato coming from that's at your grocery store compared to where it is at the market um and just i mean at the end of the day really just trying to ingrain that you know farmer's market is a really fun amazing place um and connecting them with their food. So it's like uh, like school tours. So like you're walking around the market with a group of like 10, 15 kids. Going uh, sometimes from- 30. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, it's intense <laughs> in Union Square. Uh, yeah, we walk through the market, um, introduce them to farmers, introduce them to, I mean, amazing fruits and vegetables that they've never seen before. Um, it ranges, though, you know, it ranges from, you know, discussing the finer points of um farmer growing practices to just showing uh certain students uh asparagus for the first time yeah yeah and then there's like i know you know just walking through the the union square market in particular there's like so many vegetables i think that that are unfamiliar to most adults much less kids i mean is there some i mean you mentioned asparagus is there anything else that you show the kids and they're like whoa i didn't know it looked like that or yeah Definitely. Uh, purple carrots is a big hit. Yeah. And I kind of know the history of that, which, you know, is that purple is a more is the more uh, original color of carrots. So. Oh, really? Yeah, it was amazing. I think uh, it was the Dutch. The Dutch that, who, uh, yeah. Decided it was like the orange. Earl of Orange or something. It was like, I want my carrots to be orange. <laughs> it probably was. Like, um, yeah, so, you know, that's really fun. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we had uh, some older, you know, we had uh, even uh, high school seniors coming in the other week and just showing them the variety of tomatoes letting them taste them, touch them, meet the farmer who grew them. Just, you know, they've never, I mean, they haven't thought this much about their food, maybe ever. Um, and so it's exciting. And they, you know, they really enjoy it. Um, other amazing things, you know, um, that they actually like, you know, we, we try to do some cooking demos with them. And uh, that can always be a big eye opener. Some kids are, you know, are afraid to eat a blueberry. I mean, you know, you can hand out kid a candy bar and a wrapper, they're going to eat it. But uh, it's, it's. And it depends on, the, you know, the kids and their, their upbringing, but it can be anywhere from just, yeah, like the simplest thing sometimes, even an orange carrot might be shocking. Wow. Wow. Cool. Well, I mean, that's great. And do you, do you end up seeing some of those kids coming back to the market on their own or with their parents or, you know, do you get to check back in with them from year to year or is it like yeah, a... Yeah, I think um, I definitely, I've definitely seen kids come back with their parents a few times, especially at my, uh, at, uh, the downtown Brooklyn market, Brooklyn Green market. It's really nice. Um... At Union Square, you know, the kids are coming from different neighborhoods so often, so I don't necessarily um, get to see them. Um, but hopefully they're going to their neighborhood markets. And again, I think, you know, it's just the start of just planting seeds in their head. Um, you know, every time I see, like, a, a parent um, with their child or we give a kid a, a, a sugar snap pea, mm-hmm. I know that maybe they'll forget about it, but I, I feel like in 10 years they're going to be walking through a farmer's market and they'll go, those are good. I remember that. I remember how good those were. And... Uh, you know, and, and really opened up to the idea of shopping at an, at a, you know, an outdoor market, a farmer's market. Yeah. Eating vegetables. Yeah. You had mentioned kind of when you were first kind of getting into the food scene that you were eating a bowl of Lucky Charms. I mean, was there a transitional fruit or vegetable or food for you or something that you can remember as an adult tasting for the first time and being like, man, I, what have I been doing all these years? Yeah. Um, actually, I was lucky. It was Lucky Charms with soy milk. Ah, okay. <laughs> to clarify. Super weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess potato harvesting was a really profound day for me. <laughs> that was a really beautiful thing at Quail Hill Farm. Um, and then we actually, um, and I would recommend this to anyone who's in school right now. We actually uh, 
uh, lobbied our, our school administrators to let us have some of our um, our uh, meal card budget uh-huh. uh, that we pay for um, and use it to um, to invest in the CSA in oh, Long wow. Island. Yeah, and so we ended up uh, taking that money that um, I also found out that um, the the, the uh, food distributor um, who's running our school's kitchen was also the same ones who do it at uh, the same company that uh, does the food at Attica. Okay. Prison. So, sure. you know, so, you know, we spoke with them. We said, hey, we're learning all these amazing things about food. And this doesn't really align with the values that we're trying to, uh, you know, that we're continuing learning about and, and passionate about. So they actually were really nice. And uh, we were able to, yeah, have, you know, have a nice. And so, you know, having a CSA box come in, having people around me to show me, um, you know, what to do with kale, what to do with these vegetables is really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky. You know, I'm, I don't think a lot of. I understand when people like my friends who eat deli sandwiches every day because that could have been me had a few opportunities. Had you not had those. Yeah. So when it sounds like, I mean, you have had a pretty entrepreneurial path in in the food world, kind of going from really interesting experience, you know, one to the next. And I'm wondering, you know, we talk a lot on the show about opportunities for urban residents to get engaged with the food system. And obviously you've been able to share some of your path, but I'm kind of curious, like, have you in your role as market manager run into things where you're like, man, I would, I wish I had someone who I could call who could help me with this problem. You know, maybe it's not, you know, working the market or maybe it's not working on the farm, but what are kind of some other opportunities for people to engage with the food system that that you've seen a need for? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think shopping is really what what everyone needs to do. Uh, You know, I had someone come up to me at the... uh, at the Brooklyn Grain Stand and asked how to volunteer. And I said, or, you know, how to volunteer. And I said, you know, the best thing you could do is, is buy some tomatoes before they get packed back up in the van and, you know, have to get, have to get whatever, maybe composted or hopefully someone eats them. But, um, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are like, love the idea of a farmer's market, love the idea of CSAs, but um, you just need them to take the plunge. You need to, um, you know, put your money where your mouth put is. Put your money where your mouth, your money, mouth where your money is. Um, yeah, and it doesn't, you know, I really want to hopefully spend more time working on ways for young people, uh, artists, to to make it possible and really open them up to, you know, knowing that they can, you could just fill up a bag from the farmer's market. It doesn't have to be that expensive. Um, it doesn't take much and you can make some really simple meals. Um, you know, um, it's it's not as hard as everyone wants wants to make sure. it. Sure, and you don't have to. It doesn't have to be your whole week's worth of groceries. You know, making the commitment to come to the market and buy one thing. I mean, that's a step that people can take. And I know, like you personally, you're you're embarking on some new projects and kind of looking to transition some of the stuff you've learned in food into some other areas as far as consumption goes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, right now I'm, I'm working on um, a fund for um, the Jillian and Yay Fund. My friend Jillian. Um, my um, passed away this year, and um, she was an amazing uh, clothing designer, home homegrown, handmade fashion that she herself designed and created. Um, and knowing and living with her, um, and watching her her line grow, I realized there's such a correlation um, between buying local sustainable food and buying local, um, you know, um, fashion as well. Um, you know, where there's no factory farm, there's no sweatshop, and when you're um, paying a little extra, but you're getting something extra and something special, getting something unique, um, putting money back into your community. Um, I just see this correlation, and um, I would, I'm really trying to um, maybe bridge that gap, but also the fund it, um, will be a way to celebrate um, buying all sorts of local um, 
you know, um, we're going to have a event um, the second week of September at the Tip Top Bar and Grill okay. in Bed-Stuy in Franklin. And the whole concept behind that was that I know Junior, the owner. Okay. So we're going to, you know, if people are going to buy cocktails and beer. Let's give it back to Junior and who's someone who's been part of the community for so long. And um, let's have people there who are selling um, clothes that they, they made and you're giving money directly to someone who then may uh, buy your CD or... Um, come to Roberta's and eat their pizza with that money, you know? Right, um, right. So you're kind of creating, uh, you know, expanding on this idea of buy local and keep your dollars in the local community. You know, something we've hear a lot around food and, and thinking about that more broadly, looking at fashion or music. And I think there has been, you know, obviously in Brooklyn, tons of movement towards these more collaborative um, venues for people to kind of purchase locally. I mean, I think the, the Smorgas market is, is a great example of that. Like, bringing a, a diverse group of people together that are all kind of falling under a similar mission. Yeah, and you're definitely supporting a lot of really amazing people directly by, um, yeah, shopping at the farmers, at the green market, yeah, the Smorgasburg vendors as well, uh, for the most part. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, I mean, maybe the goal of the Jillian Fund at some point will be to uh, have a farmer's market pop-up store where you can uh, maybe buy some, like, handmade uh, buy, buy the bag to put your groceries in. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, you're dressed the way to the farmer's market next week or something. And how can people find more about the fund? Do you guys have a website or? Um, that will be coming up. Um, please um, check. Um, you can definitely stay in touch with the fund on uh, Facebook. It's Jillian Lanier Designs. Is um, on Facebook. You can like it. And then we'll let you know more about what's, what's happening. Awesome. And also, while you're on Facebook, don't forget to like the Grow NYC or follow them uh, on Twitter if you want to be updated on what's happening at the market. Uh, check them out at www.grownyc.org. David, thank you so much for coming in today. It was great to have you on the show. At, I always love chatting with the, the Grow NYC folks. You guys have got so much going on. Next week, we have Christopher Nicholson in-house talking about this year's wild sockeye salmon season up in Bristol Bay, Alaska. So tune in next week at 1 o'clock. Cool. See you at the market, Aaron. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. The long-awaited documentary The Vanishing of the Bees will be screening in Astoria, Queens at the Broadway branch of the Queens Public Library on Monday, September 19th. I know that seems like a long ways away, but it isn't. It will be broadcast from 6 to 8 p.m. More information about this fascinating look at bee life and colony collapse disorder can be found at their website at www.vanishingbees.com. I also wanted to add that the producers are all working on a 30-minute educational video for high school students, so any parent or teacher should check out the site to see what he or she can do to work with the team to bring this into a school curriculum. The film has a Facebook page as well that discusses current events that affect bees. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. 
because on a dairy farm there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to cull the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.